last 50 years have seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes towards female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the very definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child-free. We're here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings! Welcome to another episode of... Not Just... Sleeping In! I'm Lee. And I'm Tiger, and each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, spirituality, religion, and woo. (laughs) Gotta get that woo. Yeah, but first, how late did you sleep in, Lee? Oh boy, um, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Yeah, on a weekday. (laughs) So enjoying this brief respite between jobs, uh, I might have a new one coming. So the, there goes all all of my numbers are going right back in the in the crapper. Um, but yeah, weird, a com- little bit of anxiety. But I I've, I've kind of gotten addicted to my sleep mask. Oh, and that weirdly, uh, yeah, it, the shooting nights got me into just enjoying the total darkness of things in my very bright loft. Um, but now I don't have that like eight eight thirty. It's really fucking up that biorhythm of like nudging me out of bed when the light gets too intense. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh no, ah, where did the morning go? And so uh, it's both my friend and a little bit my enemy. But how about you? Uh, only 9.30. Just nice, nice and easy 9.30 Responsible. on the weekend. Yeah. But like when you decided yeah. to crawl out of bed, what a delight. And yeah, it was, it was a good morning. Um, yeah. And I feel like my days of sleeping in are numbered. Oh. Because I'm buying a farm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and farmers get up early. So it's the, it's a the choice. Tiger hut. Yeah, it's a choice. Um. <laughs> but look, you're acknowledging that it's a choice, right? That's oh, the big... <laughs> I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, my freaking goats. I'm going to be like, guess what? I have goats. And it is a privilege and an honor to hang out with those little piss beards. Goat privilege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. But um, today's episode, I'm also very excited about. I think it's yeah. also going to be amazing. Not to toot our horns, but it's our podcast. So. Um, toot toot. Yeah. yeah. As, as we've mentioned many, many times in previous episodes, we both had very, very evangelical Christian upbringings, um, kind of at the height of like, I don't know. It feels it to was me, an era. It's, it's an era. It's like the height of Christian culture being a thing before they yeah. kind of tried to like get all hillsongy and like go mainstream. You know, it yeah. was very like Christian culture. You yeah. Know? Um, and. Yeah, and and we we we've talked about this a lot, and I think for both of us, it is, I mean certainly for me, I don't want to speak for you, Lee, but um, it had a lot to do, I think, with me becoming child free. Mm, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and <laughs> and even even as I've, for me too, one of the fascinating things is I I still kind of desire a spiritual life. I'm by no means an atheist. I like having a little bit of magic in my world. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, so much spiritual discourse has to do with father and mother figures, patriarchy, matriarchy, family systems. And 
And even, like, even when you watch, like, atheist YouTube channels or hang out in atheist subreddits or whatever, so much of it is about, like, not not all of it by any means, but so much of it is about child rearing and what we're exposing kids to and, and kind of this institutional right. idea of control by way of the family. And yeah. so <laughs> it becomes this constant question of developing, I guess, a child-free spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting because, again, I, I remember in those like kind of fleeting moments of like when you would go through the thought experiment of like, well, I've thoroughly divorced myself from, uh, you know, kind of the traditional culture that I grew up in. But should I end up in a position to raise kids like how how do you well, well no, what do you do? And yeah, it's it's weirdly at the center of so much of that when like, uh, I think being a good person who has a firm footing in the cosmos, uh, will help you in all manners of life. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm right on board. Let's, let's kind of dig in. So yeah, tiger, let's, let's get the rundown. I know we've run through it a little bit, kind of cross-sectionally through a bunch of different things, but yeah. So, I mean, keeping it quick, obviously grew up evangelical, um, and was, like, definitely full-on, like, true believer. It it felt good, and it felt right to me up until, I mean, even through some really messed up stuff, you know, like, even through, like, kid fucker pastors and things, it still sure. felt like my faith was strong and real and honest, but um, I also wanted to be a pastor, and mm. I genuinely felt I had this calling, right? And unfortunately, I'm a woman, um, cis woman, happy to be that way. But, um, in my particular sect of Christianity, couldn't be a pastor. Most I could hope for was pastor's wife. And that was definitely really disheartening. It felt like I was kind of being punished by God. You know, he dangled this carrot in front of me and didn't give me a carrot in between my legs that would qualify me. Sure. Um, Cause that's not even like a second place ribbon. A lot of people like try to Oh, well, you could be, like, the children's minister. Which, like... Like, bleh, a, bleh, I, yeah. I, And, you know, because I also grew up in a church where the pastors all had, like, doctorates of divinity and were, like, really educated people, and that's the sort of educated person I wanted to be. And to know that there was no opportunity in that besides women's ministry or children's ministry felt like such a fucking consolation prize. Sure. And, you know, so I kind of drifted away from church, and for a myriad of other reasons, you know, like... It, at a certain point, you grew up, you moved to the big city, you found Taoism, which felt very, uh, you know, it's the middle way, and it suits me. <laughs> all about exploring. Love, dude, the middle path. Yeah. Oh, what a all delight. All about exploring life's dichotomies. And since I've moved to the south, uh, mm-hmm. something like kind of the way I've found to make friends that don't talk about church in the Bible Belt is to... Uh, Go to, I call them my witch classes, but there's a great little coven that operates out of a crystal shop in one of the little towns near me. And so I've kind of fallen in with a bunch of eclectic pagans. <laughs> not sure. not necessarily my thing, but, you know, I've learned to read tarot cards. I found a lot of value in that. And there's so many similarities and, like, kind of ways that I can explore my spirituality. That And, and no one's going to, no one's going to kick me out. They don't have, like bylaws you know (laughs) and it's been a wonderful way to just like meet some really cool people so yeah 
And I think that there, it's funny, I think we'll, it'll pop back up a little bit later in the podcast, but I think that community is largely or partly made up of a lot of us yes. kind of cast-offs from, from the height of uh, 90s evangelicalism. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What about yeah. you? Because you, um, I mean, kind of mid-Atlantic, you know, grew up rural and Christian and in a very much culturally based sort of way. I've mentioned, you know, my dad had a lot to do with kind of the local radio station and the music scene of it all. Um, my parents had grown up very Methodist and then decided to jump ship to like the cool hip church with the electric guitars. So really was at the center, like we had a, we had drums. We were happy to have the drums with, you know what? No plastic shield around them. We were, we were going full Whoa. tilt. So it was a lot of the um, trying to find the outside, redefining what church or, and that culture should be. So bless them for that. But I think it got a little crazy at some point. Um, I always kind of dodged the, oh, look at you. You're such a cute little man. You would when you shouldn't you be like a little pastor um, just because I grew up both with like a big spiritual imagination and kind of, uh, I mean, to say a word like empath is to invite like a bunch of bullshit from people, but like with like a heavy emotional intelligence, you know, even from like a very young age. So of course, then everyone wanted to push me that way. I was always more interested as a product of like the grim dark nineties is like, okay, so when do, where's like the secret book section? Like where's the secret occult book section that I've been promised in every, like, uh, you know, like the Warrens or like every Catholic horror movie where, you know, someone's some sort of, like, I'll go study at the Vatican in some secret sect of demonologist. That sounds great. Like, you know, I wanted kind of a very real, palpable, actionable faith. Like the secrets of the esoteric were a big draw for me. Um, not like how to not be mad about your taxes, you know? Like, that's not why I oh, was yeah, going that's, to church. It's like, like, no, I want... When you say spiritual warfare, I fully expect all those, like, sword-wielding eyeball angels from the Book of yeah, Revelation come at me. to be visible to yeah, me. Like, yeah, like, giant... I want to wield if them. If you're going to threaten me with a good time of, like, meteors falling from heaven and giant man-sized locusts, then, like, let's have it. Like, Fucking bring, bring it. it. Yeah, I want... <laughs> Like, Leave. truly one of the greatest disappointments is that no one ever talks about the angel fucking when they tell the story of Noah's oh, yeah. Ark. The, I want get, that. Get me in there. Yeah, like, all for the, the Leviathans and your monsters. Like, leave me behind. You know what? I will be left behind. I want to see a dragon. It has seven heads. I want to see it. Bring it on. So one of the kind of the, the sad byproducts of growing up Pentecostal, which had a very big focus on, like, speaking in tongues, being filled in spirit, that's a very active mystic spirituality and I wanted access to that and I by no means was going to fake it so after a couple like really kind of torturous like three hour long prayer session trying to get me to speak in tongues is like a 12 year old you know I just didn't get there because I wasn't going to fake it and I wanted a legitimately spiritual experience and just didn't get it and I think that was maybe the first nudge towards like oh this is this is like a business about feeling good more than it is about like touching the divine, you know, in that very palpable level. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, ended up in Bible college inadvertently studying to be a pastor 
because I was trying to be a performance trumpet major. They didn't have it. So they're like, want a church music major? And I was like, sure, I guess I'll study that. And <laughs> really just followed my ska band to college. When that didn't happen, um, I don't know. So I have a degree in biblical theology uh, that I kind of threw away. And again, you move to the big city and then, hey, look, there's all sorts of sinners heavy air quotes all around you and you have to deal with them and like make sense of them. And it, it's hard to stay in that worldview if you're not steeped in the culture. It, uh, it falls apart immediately once you start to, uh, actually have contact with other people that aren't intensely of the same culture. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's how a cult works. (laughs) And yeah, you just can, like, carve out, like, a whole city in, uh, you know, rural Ohio <laughs> and then make your own, like, yeah. small sea cult, yeah. right? Um, no, it's it's really fascinating. And it, it is, it's such a disappointment when you kind of realize the institution isn't what's going to give you that sense of wonder, that sense of your place in the universe, that touching the divine, like you said. Uh, and And... And so, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. A lot of people in my circles have kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. They're like, I'm atheist. I'm done with this shit. And that's totally fair. Like, I just want to get that out of the way now because I know there's going to be some people that are just like, you guys are foolish and this isn't, like, it's not real. And sure. Okay. Um, but it's real in that I feel it, you know, and, and I want to feel it. And it's a feeling that I'm right. willing to chase and to create and, Unfortunately, like, as a child-free person, like, so much of institutional spirituality, so much, I, I wrote institutional spirituality in the notes, and I'm like, Tiger, there's a word for that. It's religion. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> religion has so much to do, because it is, it's that culture, it's a cult, you know, like, that's, right. they have the same root word, I would assume, right? I should look that up, but whatever. It's it's community, it's legacy, it's family, it's tribalism. And so it leaves child-free people like myself who don't have a calling uh, kind of on the outskirts, right? Like, you can't choose to be child-free and, like, not be a monk or a nun or, you know, whatever. Because there have always been those people that dedicate their lives to, like, celibacy, right? Right. Uh, within the church it, it, as a means of, like, preserving the church's legacy. Yeah. But well, I didn't want to be anyone's mom. You know, yeah. I don't want to be scripture's mama. I don't want to be baby mama. I Yeah, like, there's, there's definitely that, like, even if you are a monk, even if you have decided to... There's still this need to cast you as like the, you know, the father, literally father of the church, right? Or the or the wife of Christ or the yeah. like you still have to get even if you're doing what was kind of venerated for a long time as this very um, highest calling. They're like, we still have to put this in a framework that is is inherently domestic in some way. Yeah. Just so and, people understand it, I guess. It's it's yeah. really silly. And it's really interesting because in, when you do get into because I think for a lot of people, they find respite in like less patriarchal religions because it seems less institutional. It's less conventionally institutional. But even things like Wicca often and certain sects of paganism uh, tend to really focus on the mother. You know, you've got you've got the triple moon goddess. You've got 
maiden mother crone, you've got this really like feminine energy, which usually ties often ties into motherhood. Right. And so if, and obviously not, I mean, it's modern times. It's not all like that. Like not even Christian churches are like focused on family, but by and large, the sort of institution, the larger text, the cultural aspect of a spiritual practice involves parenthood. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. It's like hard. It, it never quite fits right. It's like, you're always kind of adjusting to fit this mold, you know? Yeah. I mean, have you had that experience or I don't, I don't know. It it feels kind of lonely. Yeah, it is. And it's hard to, Every it's very hard for me to go in with an open mind and an open heart as I'm still looking for, you know, those truths. And and I consider myself now kind of a a, a small p pantheist. I think Raza Aslan and um, I think God of Human History lays out kind of a very nice kind of path forward of like cultural small p pantheism, where we all kind of like no one's got to be absolutely true we can all be reaching towards the same goal and trying to figure it out but yeah it's it's very lonely and in every different group i try to put myself in i still find myself on the outside of it and whether that's just kind of classically being one of the few child-free people in the room whatever that room is wherever that room is um yeah and it's Interesting, like, I remember growing up, there was always, like, there were those couple of child-free couples in the church, and they were always just treated like these weird enigmas, and people were very nice to them, but there was always this, like, undertone of, like, oh, like, oh. But they seem to be having a great time. But, like, yeah. where, do, where do you find someone that's speaking to your... Because, again, we've talked about there's big gaps in our kind of search for meaning that get kind of glossed over with the fact when you get so wrapped up and taking care of this child for a large part of your life that leaves us open and we're ready for that to be filled with something. But if you're still going to, you know, the, the five good parenting tips and, you know, how to raise your kids and kids respect your parents, if that's most of the teaching you're getting out of wherever you're getting it, we still want to get spoken to, right? Yeah. And, and even, even like taking it a step out, you know, from the practical, if we're looking even at the more esoteric aspects of religion, so often these archetypes are based around family models. What I'm trying to say is being child free by choice is such a new phenomenon that yeah. even some of the older archetypes, I mean, at its core, religion is all about creating a mythology that allows us to make sense of these big questions, right? And there just haven't really been myths that have developed that fit this new archetype that we're kind of building. It's it's exciting, but I think part of the loneliness stems from being at at the creation. You know, sure. it's it's like what we don't have something in the major arcana when I'm going through the tarot deck. We don't have something looking back through Christianity. Uh there aren't a lot of you know, for, I think, particularly for women, like, there, there is often such a history of um, sexism, even in kind of religions like Buddhism and stuff, right? And then, of course, there's also, like, all the racisms and the cultural stuff that you have to consider. But beyond that, it's just, like, we just don't have a myth that suits, like, 
a willingly child-free person who hasn't dedicated their life to the church or to the preservation of the myth. We're creating a new myth. So what is it? It's kind of fun and it's kind of exciting, but it's just really strange to figure out what exactly that looks like. Yeah. Uh, and, And perhaps there's kind of a responsibility in it too without like this unstated responsibility of like we get to make this so you want to do it right you know yeah i mean it's kind of funny uh i so i met my my partner this kind of will will tie into this like we we're attempting that kind of like we have kind of established household gods um kind of inadvertently through this series like us writing love letters to each other and they grew up very um the child of two atheist parents who wanted nothing to do with the church at all. But at some point that leaves that left them growing up with this desire to like, because again, like uh, with atheism, it's a belief system. But like, if you're looking for a magical world, if you're wanting to answer grand questions of life and the answer is, well, there is nothing. Knock it off. That, that can be very empty. So they've been looking through a bunch of different, and again, kind of through, various religions and pagan traditions and we got together and and at some point have blended all of our cultural you know backgrounds together in a practice and but at the heart of it you know we kind of created some household gods that again are like kind of the 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 tri-feminine but as opposed to it being that like maiden mother crone archetype, they're all sisters, they're all equal. And it's more about like, what are those ideals and what are those spiritual things? And we've tried to establish this for ourselves that on top of all of the other things we practice, that's something that we can use as a touch point to make our own myths and make our own kind of mythic truths and try to figure out ways to adhere to them, to venerate them, to like get all the things out of religion of like, what am I seeking? What do I need? What do I need to push me to the next level of my life or help me find that truth? And and just look, and they're based on just very broad archetypes. But yeah. you write it down, you set it up, you set some major days where you're like, well, this will tie with maybe holiday celebrations or this will tie with what with us, but we'll take some time by ourselves and do this one little ritual that we've created that's not really to any big deity other than like the ideas that we're trying to put forth that we've put little figurines around, you know? Yeah. And real, real shaky wheels on it, you know, obviously it's very new, but it also feels intensely personal, you know? Yeah. And on New Year's when we get together and talk about like the changing of the seasons and the changing of the wheel and going into a new era and we do our little made up rituals and, and kind of talk through what does this era of this particular sister mean we're reminding ourselves of all of those truths and we're reminding ourselves of all those big ideas that we want to try to focus on. And it's starting to do the same thing. It doesn't feel, but it doesn't have that classic sauce of like cracking an old leathery Bible, you know, like there's not like an old tome to it, but there's something kind of pregnant and nice about it. And it feels intensely personal, which is kind of what the promise of that nineties church was, right? Like, yeah. we're not, like, boring sit-down church. We're, like, God's your buddy. He's going to take you out for french fries after service. Like, Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, it's still just, like, this kind of... 
I don't know. It's really been interesting. I, I've really found a lot of solace in the Tao Te Ching. Uh, I've really, you know, because, again, it's all about exploring those dichotomies, right? And finding the middle space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I think is really fascinating about it is, so you have these dichotomies and um, they're not like hard binaries. There's always room for space in the middle, which also plays down into gender right which i think is really cool because so often i think it's male this female this whereas um particularly coming at it from tai chi it's all about expansion or contraction right so that's the top and like masculine and feminine falls under that sort of umbrella so it's like you can kind of play with masculine or feminine energies with expanding or contracting energies and there's no like value judgment to that so there's Mm -hmm. this pretty it puts things on a little bit more of an equal footing because you constantly need both of them in order to make anything work. Um, and there's no kind of hard and fast, the minute something is ended, something else is beginning. And so I don't know, for me that works because I love contradiction, you know, because people are so messy. Uh, but it's also had to, it's been so much of my own exploration, you know, because it's, I don't know, it's all just me doing Tai Chi and being like, this Mm -hmm. is where my body and my mind and my spirit feel lined up. going to write this down, you know, it's, and, and, you know, just incorporating kind of other, it's kind of fun getting to create like a, like you said, like a personal mythology of people that have been important to me and kind of immortalizing them as archetypes, you know, that, excuse me, as archetypes that I can live up to. Um, Yeah. It's just really, it's really interesting. It's, I don't know. It's it's really cool. There's something, as much as it feels lonely, there is something also very exciting about it. It's that promise of, I don't want to say power because that makes it sound very like grabby. Dianetics. That, yeah, it's a very Yeah, like... it's, it's that promise <laughs> of like, it, there's a freedom to it. You're not beholden to anything. Yeah. Except, you know, your own integrity. And that's, kind of where I always want to end up sure (laughs) but it yeah it's just weird and then you do start to wonder about the legacy of it all like we've discussed before but I think just having it exist is enough yeah I it's it's so funny like I've one of the big hang-ups I think in the development of kind of the institutional church right now is I think we're really caught up on kind of inerrancy of scripture and of like, and like the, the two big ones that I think would push the entire church forward. And then we could all reap the benefits of that would be that. And like acceptance of queer identities. (laughs) If we could just push through a couple of those big things, um, then, cause yeah, sometimes you want an old leather book and sometimes that's in a different language. And sometimes it's, you know, that Johnny Cash religion that still is appealing when you hear it in the song, right? Like, it yeah. still touches a nerve, and you're like, man, I want that, but I don't want the the sloppy, broken, poisoned version of it. And I think when yeah. you, fr- you free yourself up to, like, find things that speak to you, find things that actually touch you, that old hymn, even if it, if it speaks to you and it lights something in your spirit... Like, you can save that and divorce it from, like, the terrible, broken church you grew up yes. in. Yes, yes. And that's something that I really, I, I value so much um, 
in the creation story in Genesis, the first thing God says to Adam is the world is your gift. Take care of it. And it's like, I I think it's pushed me into so much of my environmentalism. Right. (laughs) You know, and it's like the world is our gift. Take care of it. Do I believe wardens and stewards and. You know. Yeah, it's like we are stewards. We must do better. We have to do better. And and when you look at how much of, you know, my church was very prophecy focused and so much of Revelation is really just environmental mishaps, you know, <laughs> it's like, damn it, guys, global warming's happening and you're the cause of it. Like, and now how are this you not, river is blood. Um. Yeah, how are you not <laughs> catching on to the fact that a red river is probably just like poisoned and oily, you yeah. dumb shits? I just can't. Like... Don't that's a whole whole separate <laughs> rant, but yes, yes, it, but it, yes. again, this is stuff that has like it's it's still worthwhile. It has still inspired me, and it still has a place in my heart. And and it's not it's it's so freeing to be able to say I see the value in this, and it's helped me to kind of reconcile that part of my past where I, I don't I don't have to shut it off. You know, it was still such an important part of my growth and my development, and and it can mean something without meaning everything. And yeah. I get to determine that. And I have the freedom and, and the control and the power to say, no, you know, I, this doesn't ring true to me. This isn't part, but I can integrate the parts of it that do. Yeah. Um, and like, what could we, I, I, I remember a, um, a big argument I got in with a, a, an old church, uh, an old Bible college friend of mine, um, on my path as, as it was diverging in a various different ways. And we were up one night late and was a pastor at a time. Now as a guidance counselor at a school, because the church is a real rough road for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, and I was just like, if you could talk to like the greatest Imam in history and just sit them down and ask them their cliff's notes about the human experience, what they'd learned about a culture, what they'd learned about community and faith wouldn't you want to relish that and just take notes the way that you would from someone of your own faith or your own heritage? And he was like, no, cause they're wrong. And it was just such a weird, he, he kept going back to that. And it blew my mind that I was just like, you can't really see that. Like so much of this is where and when you grew up and to whom that, in, but like, we're all reaching for the same thing. We're all trying to un un cover the same mysteries we're all trying to just you know find make some sense make sense of a world that's so much bigger than us we often can't fathom it yeah it's like and how, just that's so cruel fathom fathom enough of the unfathomable to like enjoy our less than 100 years on the planet try to do some good try to reach some people and like figure out how to make the place slightly better than we left it you know, which is like one of the big, like guiding principles in my life that I got from the Boy Scouts. And yeah. that's just some campsite shit. Like leave a place at whatever it is, workplace, whatever, better than you found it. So like it doesn't have to, Jesus didn't have to hold his thumb up to like qualify that statement. That is a true statement that is almost universally applicable. Yeah. And like those truths are uh, this just This is as your helpful. gift. Be a good steward. 
Like, it's all the same. It's all the same. Whether you got right. it from Boy Scouts or the Bible or whatever your text or non-text of that you grew up with. Like, the fact is, like, the human experience does have some commonalities. And to not acknowledge that is just, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just rude. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I love that there is kind of a, a, a greater acceptance of... Um, non-Western and non-traditional paths. Because I think a lot of those are just people that are trying to find that outlet. And and much like yourself, we're, for whatever reason, we're denied it or just couldn't, you know, church breakups happen. They're very traumatizing. And it's hard yes. to go back to, even as I've tried to like the cool church, which ends up in LA just kind of being like a dating, a weird group dating oh, Seeing it's yeah. very messy, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. "This is sloppy. I got to get out of here." But you find these, you know, small covens and things of people that so much of its intentionality. It's I'm gonna try to imbue meaning into crystals or tinctures or you know, a rituals. Or a yeah, or a wellness practice. Like it's yeah. it's more about finding that community with those shared values that kind of like people that are willing to express that externally and with some yeah. kind of integrity. Yeah. And like, um, hopefully like with pagan, like the, 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 the kind of the troubled history of some of this stuff, people are rooting out their own bad shit, but I think they're, they're a lot more willing to look back over the recent history of those practices that are still in clay a little bit that haven't like hardened into giant cultural ideas and go, Nope, this guy's gone. That guy's gross. Like to yeah, re-examine the just, history of that and keep the practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you guys at home? Talk to us, email us, reach out to us on social channels about your own personal practices. I'm fascinated. Like, I, I think we both are. We both just want to learn where you're at because yeah. is isn't like, let's all make each other a little less lonely. Yeah. Mm. And uh, what, you what, can, what speaks very specifically to you? As a child-free person. Yeah. Like, what what helps you to kind of find that that star to align yourself to, you know? Yeah. yeah. Email us. We're at questions and not just sleeping in.com. And, or we're on social channels and not just sleeping in. And until next week, I'm Tiger. And I'm Lee. Spread love. Live your damn truth. And of course, have, have fun, fun sleeping, sleeping in. in. Bye. <laughs>